Hi, my name is Lindsay Adams, and you are listening to Mindful as a Mother. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship, and the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Hi everyone, I am so happy that you are here today. Today is my first solo episode in a little bit. I have been doing mostly interviews lately, which I've loved, but I also love a solo episode and I love just hanging out with you guys. Just a few little like updates before we get started on today's episode. I've been working on a course about like helping your child learn emotional regulation skills or coping skills. And in creating that course, I've really had to like hone in on my vision and my objective for this podcast, that course. And something I've like really hammered down is that I love taking the information that I know through experiences among myself, my education, and my seven years as a therapist and making it super relatable and digestible and easy to implement. And so that is what I'm hoping this podcast is for you. And it really does bring me so much joy to like share my knowledge and feel like I'm putting it out there to the world. So thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me fulfill my purpose and serve you all with this information. Um, Today's episode is about how we measure success as a mom. And I think it's going to be a really good one. It's also like a pretty big topic and pretty important topic. So may not be the only time we talk about it on this podcast and that's okay. So success as a mother is something that I don't think we think about on the day to day because for the most part, we are just doing our thing, taking care of kids, getting what needs to be done, done. But I want you to think about how you measure success. So at the end of the day, when you go to bed at night, what do you think of as a successful mothering day? Is it that the dishes are done? Is it that the house is clean? Is it that you spent one-on-one time with your kids? Is it, what is it that makes it a successful mothering day? And I asked this question also on my Instagram and in my Facebook group, which has a new name. If you're looking to join, it is now called Embracing Mindful Motherhood and Positive Parenting. (laughs) Um, Before it was just called Mindful Motherhood. But so I asked this question because I wanted to see how other moms are measuring their success and what they use to rate themselves pretty much. And a lot of the answers I got were some were like sarcastic and funny, like, well, we made it through like the week is over. Here we are like it's survival mode, right? And then they would kind of say like, oh, but honestly, I measure it by how my home looks. So if like my house is a disaster, then I'm a disaster. And one is like how my kids treat me. Um, 
which is, I think, a common way we measure motherhood is by our children's behaviors or how well our children are doing. And we'll talk a little bit later in the episode about why that's not always necessarily a good thing to measure your motherhood by. And then I got one very profound answer in the Facebook group and I loved it. So I'm just going to read it to you. Dr. Julie Hanks put it so well. We need to think of motherhood as a relationship and not a job. It's about connecting with our children and developing the relationship. I feel good slash successful when I can connect with them every day. It's not about their behavior or choices. Um, it's about the relationship. So, and this is something I love and totally agree with. And that's kind of what this episode is about. But so if you don't follow Julie Hanks on Instagram, she is a great follow. And she talks a lot on her feed about how she's also a therapist about how motherhood is a relationship and not a role. And so it's not a job we have to do. It's not, you know, and uh, having a clean house is not our motherhood. It is really just about the relationship and connection with our kids. So I want you, so you asked how you measure your, I asked you how you measure yourself and you probably have an answer. And I want you to ask yourself if one that truly, that measuring stick truly determines what kind of mother you are or if it determines how good you are at something else. And two, I want you to ask yourself if that measuring stick is realistic. So for the first one, say we're using the clean house one, like I got everything done, I was productive, I have a clean house. Does it actually measure how good of a mom you are? Not at all right? It just measures like how good you are at cleaning, how organized you are, how efficient you are. None of those characteristics are the whole of motherhood. Those things can help in motherhood, but none of them are like the entirety of it, right? Say we use our children's behavior to measure our motherhood. If are any of those actually about how we are as a mom? No, because our kids are human beings are allowed to have bad days, bad weeks. They're going to go through stuff. They're going to struggle. Like no matter how great of a mom you have, you are never protected completely from struggle. So if we're measuring our motherhood against that, then we're constantly setting ourselves up to fail pretty much, right? Because no one can always have a clean house and have kids. It's just not possible. Also, um, your children's behavior is never going to be perfect because they are children, right? And they are meant to have behaviors because they are children and that's how they learn to be adults. They learn to communicate. They learn to deal with feelings by having behaviors. So I would argue actually that you're a good mom if your kids have behaviors, but that was just me. So if we are measuring ourselves against that, we're not actually measuring our motherhood. So the next question was, is this like, am I having realistic expectations about what I'm measuring myself to? And I kind of answer that you're not right. Cause kids are always going to have behaviors. Your house is always going to be messy if we use those two examples. So now let's take it back. And I want you to ask yourself, what is a good mother? What do you think of as a good mother? What kind of mother did you want or need growing up that maybe you didn't have? Or maybe you did have and you want to emulate that in your kids, right? So typically when people do this exercise, they come up with answers 
that are, I want a mother that's present or I, I want to be a mother that's present with my kids. That means being like emotionally present when you're with them. I want to be the mother that my kids can talk to. I want them to feel comfortable talking to me. I want to be the mother that spends time connecting with my kids and nurturing them and creating a relationship with them. So if we look at those things, which are maybe the more common answers and the things that typically fit into ideal versions of motherhood that are more realistic and value-based, then we know what kind of mom we want to be, right? We know how to measure our success. So the next thing I'm going to ask you is, before you lay in bed at night, if you're using those things to measure motherhood or those are the things that in your mind make you a good mom, what can you use as your measuring stick for the day, the week, the night? For some people, it's going to be that I spent 15 minutes of one-on-one time with my kids today. And it's going to be more concrete. For other people, it's going to be more vague and flow. Like I, I'm working on connecting with my kids and the relationship, being a safe space for them, being emotionally present when I'm around them, meaning I'm not on my phone as much. I'm taking time to connect with them and be present and mindful of my interactions with them. For others, it may be I worked on myself today and how to hold space for my own emotions so that I can hold space for theirs. So now that we're, we know like what things we value in motherhood and how we want to be as a mother, I want you to ask yourself what things are getting in the way of that and how can I address the things that are getting in the way of that? The example I'm going to use is your cell phone. So if you want to be a present parent, but you're scrolling on Instagram, instead of being present and interacting with your kids, the phone is the barrier. In order to address this, you can set phone-free times or phone-free zones. You can set family times where you spend time as a family technology-free. You can set your environment up to help you succeed as a mother. If your goal is like connection and your kid's talking to you and something that gets in the way of that is we're all so busy, you can set up meal times where you all sit down together and have a conversation. You can use question prompts to talk about your day and things that you're worried about or that bother you and make it a routine and a habit. So it's about setting your environment up to promote this environment to help you meet the goals that you want to meet. So you can meet that measuring stick of being a good mom. Now, why is this all important? So when we get in those time, those moods, those times where kids are bugging us, we're not our best selves as moms because we're going to have those. We're still human beings. We can look back at the end of the day and say, okay, what makes me a good mom? And does this thing really matter? So when I'm stressed that my house is a disaster and I've been working a lot, and I have a sink full of dishes, then I can look back on myself and say, okay, yeah, but that my motherhood isn't cleaning, right? That's not a reflection of how good of a mother I am. All that is, is a reflection of how good I am at doing dishes and how good I am at keeping up with tasks or 
things like that, right? It doesn't measure my motherhood. So what does is that instead of taking the time to do the dishes at night when I get home from work, I sit down and I hang out with my kids and I talk to them about their day. So that is actually what makes me a good mom. We often beat ourselves up for the things we're not doing well. And they're typically like not that related to motherhood. So really just like fleshing this all out and exploring it with those questions and then being able to ask yourself, what kind of mom do I want to be? And what's getting in the way of that? And we're all going to have different answers to the things that define good mothers to us because we all have different values and we all value different things in motherhood. Some mothers are going to value conversation, communication, quality time. Other mothers are going to value activities and vacations and other things, right? Um, Education. And so it's really just about finding the things that you value in your family, what's getting in the way of you meeting those expectations and addressing it. Um, I will say, though, that I think a universal value in motherhood should be, and maybe isn't always, but it should be like quality time and relationship because that is like the foundation for healthy kids mentally, right? So if somewhere in there you don't have a focus of the relationship and connection, I want you to really think about that and think about including that because it's very, very important for all the other things that affect so many other things in life that it's important that our kids have that. And it's also important that we have that because at the end of the day, when we die, when we're 80, 90, a hundred, all we have is our relationships. It doesn't matter whether your kid played like soccer or you spent $5,000 a month on gymnastics. Really? I mean, yeah, if they like it, I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Or if you went on a vacation, like what matters is that like you have these relationships with your children as you age and as they age. When you look back on your life, that's what your kids will remember. And that's what you're going to remember is those relationships. So, I mean, while those things probably are important to some people, it's important to really look at long-term picture as well and the relationship. In the foster care office that I work in, there's this quote on the wall and it says like the best thing to spend on kids is your time. And I love that. And I think that that just, if I had to pick one quote to like embody the kind of mother I want to be, that's it. The thing I want to spend on my kids is my time, not my money, not my, and and I think experiences are part of that, but really my time, my love. So there you go. Success in motherhood. And this is like a pretty big and complicated topic. And I feel like I just did this in 14 and a half minutes. So (laughs) there may be other things and I may not have have gone deep enough in some areas, but I think this gives you a good basis and it's a good, just kind of like reality check. Like how am I measuring myself in life? And is, am I focusing on the things that are really actually important to being a mom? And your homework is, I've never given homework on the podcast before. I give it in therapy all the time, but on the podcast, My homework is to make a list of all the things that make you a really great mom. And these are probably things that are individual to you, like that you're funny or that you're flexible or that you're good at planning activities or whatever, all the things that you feel like make you a good mom. And when you're having a hard mom day, you're feeling down on yourself, you're in that spiral, you feel like you don't deserve your kids or you failed them 
or you're going to F them up. I want you to look at this list and remember all the things that you do well. And the reason that you were given these specific kids is because you have this specific set of talents and strengths that will help you raise them. And my talents aren't going to look like your talents and that's okay. And there's a reason that I have my kids and that you have your kids. And so just remembering that zooming out, looking at the big picture can make it easier to get through those harder days. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope this was useful and I'm going to switch to part three of how my girls came on this earth. So I hope you are ready for it. Okay, so I actually had to go back and listen to the end of the last time I did this segment because I couldn't remember where it left off. And it was pretty much with like me trying to figure out what the heck of elementus cord attachment is or the word for it. And <laughs> so anyway, I had that. We get up to the day I kept thinking I would go into labor early and I didn't. Like I, re- I made it the full 38 weeks. I went in. Um, so they scheduled the C-section. It was in like a Tuesday morning, I think, to be honest. Um, and I was super excited because Shelly, my best friend, works in labor and delivery at the University of Utah where I was getting the C-section. And then we have another friend, Alyssa, that was able to be in the room as well. So that was super cool. She helped set me up. Like she made sure I had a good nurse um, or the nurse that I liked, she made it so I had like a clear curtain instead of the blue one. So like Tim could see through it. It was very cool. So we go in and I felt like I, oh, I got to tell you about Tim's car accident. So the morning of, and at this point we live in Eagle Mountain, which is pretty far from the hospital, like an hour. Um, so <laughs> we go in, we take Sam to Papa Steve, which is my dad. I have two dads. We'll talk about that one day too. And not because there with each other. Anyway, so, um, we take Sam to Papa Steve, we go and as, and Tim's nervous. And if one day I'll tell you Sam's birth story, I drove myself to the the hospital with Sam. Tim gets super nervous in these situations, super anxious. And he like, can't think and driving appears to be difficult. I don't know. So we get there, we're going into the parking garage at the university of Utah hospital. And, um, he, and it's a one way. So like you go in and you can only go a certain way. He tries to go the wrong way and almost hits another car head on. So we're like, ah, what's going on? What are you doing? There's some F words dropped. And then we like get parked. We go in and I really did feel like I got the Royal treatment at the university of Utah hospital. They were wonderful. My C-section was pretty smooth. Um, I, was nervous because my last birth was long and traumatic. The only thing was that, um, well, there were two things that maybe with the birth that were like a little tricky. They have you like put your arms up. I don't know if you've ever had a C-section, but my arms were up and then they took Ava out and they wanted me to try and like hold Ava while they were getting Ella out. And I couldn't feel my arms. So I was like, "Mm, I don't really want to like hold this brand new baby of mine and drop it because I can't feel my arms. So there was that. And then also, um, afterwards I wanted to eat like immediately because I think my C-section was at like 12, maybe, I don't know. I can't remember. Um, anyway, it was in the later morning. So I was like very hungry and I am a person that does not do well with hunger. So, um, Shelly's husband brought us Cafe Rio and I was so excited to eat a Cafe Rio salad and 
they like made me wait for like an hour or something to make sure I didn't throw up to eat it. And at this point, like I have just survived 38 weeks of being pregnant with twins. I know my body and I'm not going to puke. So just freaking give me that Cafe Rio salad. I was so pissed, but I waited. (laughs) I had my Cafe Rio. Um, Both girls were totally healthy. Um, Ella, I think you did have to go to the NICU for breathing just for like one second. And even in her like first picture, she looks a little purple, but she was fine. Everything was fine after that, which was nice and relieving because after I had Sam, um, things were just like not good from the moment he came out. So, um, it was nice to have that it was very relieving. We went over to recovery. We get settled in my time. There's fine. I, uh, I get to go home early cause I'm like recovering so quickly, which is nice. So I go home early and we're home maybe a week, maybe longer. And I think it's about a week. So we're home a week. We're coping to twins with having twins. And I've never healed from a C-section before, but I'm just having like a really hard time healing. And I'm not someone that takes a lot of pain meds. Like narcotics are not my thing. I don't like how they make me feel, but I legit ran out of narcotics and I called them. I was like, can I get more? I'm still in a ton of pain. And they were like, no, you shouldn't need more. So I was like, okay. And so I was just like popping ibuprofen, trying to make it through thinking that I was just being a baby because I don't do well when I'm sick. So I was having a really hard time like getting up from laying down. Um, I was in a ton of pain. And about a weekend, I had this day where like I was just like not functioning, did not feel good. And I was like shivering and shaking and I didn't like put it together that I maybe had a fever. I just kind of kept taking ibuprofen, thought I was terrible at healing, thought I was adjusting to having two babies. And I tried to breastfeed twins, which while it was a very valiant, I don't even know if that's the right word. Like it was that cool of me. I'm glad I tried it. And it was very It was big of me to like think that I could do that. And thank you to everyone that fully supported that mission, including my husband and mother-in-law who helped me. But I wish someone would have just told me like, girl, you don't got to do that. It's okay. It's okay. You're two and a half year olds crazy and wild and you don't need to breastfeed those twins. Like it's going to be okay. But I was so set on trying to do it because I wanted this like experience with my girls that I didn't necessarily fully get to have with Sam. I did breastfeed him, but it was tricky and there was all this other stuff. So, um, yeah, I wish someone would said like, girl, you just had twins. Don't even worry about breastfeeding Buy the formula anyway. So, and they kind of needed formula from the start because there's two of them and only one of me. So about a weekend, like I have this day that I'm shivering. I'm really tired. I think I'm just like not sleeping enough and it's just like having twins. that's making me not feel good. Well, the next day, Tim ran to the gas station to get me a found Diet Coke. Gotta love that guy. And I'm home with the babies. And I think he took Sam with him. And I go in to go to the bathroom. And I pee. And I, like, pick up, like, my mom pooch. Like, you know where they sell you and it, like, hangs over. And all, like, just, I don't know, to, like, look at my incision. And all of a sudden, it starts gushing fluid and blood like I'm talking gushing so I grab a towel and I called him freaking out like get home we need to go to the hospital of course I call or text Shelly I'm sure and she's like go to the hospital 
So I made him drive me clear from Eagle Mountain to the University of Utah because I was not going back to another hospital after these people knew me and I'd had my C-section there. Um, so they drive me and with a towel, I'm just like putting a towel on my wound. The towel becomes like soaked in blood. My pants are soaked in blood. We had to just throw them away. Um, we get these three new kids in the car while I'm gushing drive there. Tim's parents meet us at the hospital and they take Sam with them and I'm in the ER and they're like, yeah, your C-section's infected. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is just my luck. And you'll know why, because Sam's story. Anyway, so I'm like pretty upset. I'm crying. They tell me I'm going to have to stay overnight. And this poor doctor on the women, I don't know if it's like the women's unit. I don't know what you call her. She doesn't typically work in labor and delivery, I don't think. But she works with like women's issues. And she, I just, I don't remember her name, but she was the nicest lady. And I was so hormonal and so exhausted and I felt crappy. And I just started bawling, like hysterically, like when they told me I was going to have to like go back into the hospital to get IV antibiotics. And I have these two new babies and I didn't know if they would let the baby stay with me. I was trying to breastfeed. It was just a wreck. So I'm like crying hysterically. And this lady just like hugs me and holds me. (laughs) And she's like, we're going to figure this out. Like, so she arranged for me to go back on like the medical unit or the women's issues unit, like where people go after they like have a hysterectomy or surgery or something. And she figured it out so that my babies could stay with me. And that was the coolest thing ever and helped so much. So we went back into the hospital for another night. We get up to the room and they are like, we're going to need to like, look at this wound, right? That's infected. And I thought like, oh, they'll just give me some antibiotics. Like, I'll go home. I'll be good. No, 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 no. That was not the case. So I'm like getting settled in. I have my like lovely expectations of like getting my 24 hours of IV antibiotics and going home. They are like, uh, we're going to have to cut you open again. And I'm like, what are you freaking kidding me? They want to see how deep the infection is, if any of the tissues dead, and then set up like a way to heal it. So they're telling me, well, you kind of may need to like wet dry packet or wet packet. I don't know what it's called and change it yourself or you're going to need a wound back. I'm like, what are you? What? So, and I think Shelly was with me at this time. My husband, I didn't have clothes. I didn't have anything because I didn't know I was going back to stay at the hospital. My kids didn't have anything, but was what was in the diaper bag. So I know he went to like the store to buy stuff for them. So it was just me with Shelly and the babies. And I just started crying and talking about how I don't want a colostomy bag. And I was so sad and feeling like the wound back was a colostomy bag. Now, a little backstory to this. I worked in a rehab hospital when I had dreams of being a physical therapist. Yeah, not not for me. Anyway, so I worked a lot with like people who had wound vacs and I knew what they were. I knew what they looked like. I didn't exactly know what they did or how useful they were, but I kind of just always thought of them as this like gross thing that collects gunk and, you know, sucks things out and looks like a colostomy bag. It's not, nothing similar. It's not poop. It's, but in my emotional postpartum brain, that's what it was. So I'm crying about that hysterically. And then they come in and they're like, okay, we're going to have to cut you back open. 
And they did do like the injection like they do when you get stitches. If you've ever had stitches, you know that that is definitely the worst part of the whole experience is that first shot. They did do that. It did numb it, but not all the way. So like it numbed the surface, but it didn't numb like everything under that. And and if you've had a C-section or you know anything about this, there's like layers and layers and layers. There's like nine layers or something that they have to sew up after a C-section. So I can feel pretty much everything. And they're cutting me back open and I'm crying, probably screaming, having the worst day of my life. Um, then they push some like IV meds and I calm down. I'm sure they were like, give this girl everything. They also though wanted to be pretty careful what they gave me because I was breastfeeding. <clears throat> so, but thinking back on it, I wanted to be like, see doctor, like I'm not being a wimp by like wanting more pain meds because I was in a ton of pain. So they get everything cleaned out and whatever. And I think I was just like open for, I don't know what they, they made up like wet dry dressed it. And I stayed in the hospital. And then the next day they decided that my wound was deep enough that I did need the wound vac. So what this wound vac consisted of was this machine. It's like hooked up um, to me and it like, it's like a little backpack I carried around. I'll share a picture of it on my Instagram and in, um, on like a link in the show notes or something. And I had to like change the cord every so often. The only time I could take it off was to shower. Um, the battery would die. So I'd have to like plug it in. And then worst part was I had to have a home health nurse come to my house three times a week to change the dressing. And what changing the dressing looked like was I had to lay like on my back and hold still for about 30 minutes while they like took it out, checked the healing, cleaned everything up, put it on. Okay. One, this was super painful, right? Two, um, I have three kids under three, right? My husband who works out of town. So luckily my saint of a mother-in-law came and stayed with me for a bit. And then after that, I think I just winged it. Like sometimes the babies would cry and the home health nurse would give them a bottle. Cause I just like, I'm laying there and can't move. Tried to schedule it during like Sam's nap time, but that always didn't work out. Like it was just a wreck. So I had this thing for six weeks and, um, I was pretty bitter the whole time about it. Like anytime we'd go in public, we went to my sister-in-law's wedding and I'm wearing a wound back. <laughs> um, and there's like this wonderful family picture of us. And I look so good simply because like I was still nursing. And so I just dropped a ton of weight really fast. And then I gained it all back. But um, so I look so good for just having had twins, my little cute family. And no one knows like I'm holding this wound back and feeling miserable and embarrassed inside in this picture. And I, I remember one being at my sister-in-law's wedding with three kids and Sam running all around, like won't sit still. My girls are crying off and on. We're trying to contain that and celebrate my sister-in-law getting married. And then like the one quiet moment in the whole dang thing, my wound vac starts making this like gurgling noise. It's like, rawr, rawr. and like everyone looks over. It kind of sounds like a mix between like your stomach growling and a fart. And it's like, oh gosh, this is like the most embarrassing thing ever. And then people are asking like, oh, what's that? Is it, you know, so now when I see people with wound backs in public, I'm a lot more sensitive to the fact that like it feels super embarrassing. And I'm sure maybe people weren't looking at me like I thought they were, 
but it felt like I felt very self-conscious about it. And I also was hormonal. I have postpartum trying to juggle this new life I have. And it was, yeah. So that was a time I was super bitter. I hated it. We get to the end of the six weeks and my like, they keep saying like, oh, I think you have like one or two more weeks. I'd get so excited. And then they'd say, oh, one or two more weeks. So the last day I could tell like they're going to take the wound back off and the home health agency had some weird stuff go on where like they were changing and the nurse didn't show up or had to cancel. So I told Tim, I was like, I'm taking my wound back out by myself. Like I'm just going to take it out and it's fine. It's going to heal the rest of the way. And he was like, I think you're crazy. And I was like, no, I've seen her do it. I know exactly how she does it. I'm going to do it. So I did it and I was fine. I healed up good. Uh, I'm like not infected and it's possibly the craziest, most hormonal thing I've ever done. And I would 10 out of 10 would not recommend because it's risky, but I removed it from myself and I felt like a free woman. And it was so nice to not be like hitting my kids with the wound vac. This probably leads into the mom fail. I will tell a wound vac mom fail today. Um, hitting the kids, having to carry that on my shoulder with a diaper bag, with two infant car seats, like, <laughs> so it was like a game changer. And I felt like a new person and I felt like I could, you know, do some work, enjoy these kids and do all that. So that was my birth story. And the after part of the story is a lot more dramatic than the actual birth of them. But it seems to be the part that I maybe focused on the most at the time was the negative that was happening. <laughs> and looking back, like I look at that picture and we look so happy and we were so happy and no one will ever know I had a wound back. No one remembers I had a wound back at my sister-in-law's wedding and my kids are happy and healthy and my C-sections healed and still can't feel anything. Don't know if that's normal, but whatever. So that's my story. If you've ever had a C-section get infected or a wound vac, I want you to message me because I need to hear about this and I need to like, ha <laughs> I love relating to people about this. When it was happening, so many people told me like, oh yeah, my C-section got infected too, or, and I had to wet dry pack it. It was terrible or, you know, just things that had happened. And it was so nice to hear like other people. And it happens maybe more than people realize with c-sections so thanks for tuning into that um i don't know if you guys enjoy hearing stories about my personal life if you do i'm more than happy to tell different stories at the end of each episode if this is the most boring part and you just skip right through it then message me and tell me that like i want to hear your feedback also this is just your friendly reminder and plug for myself to subscribe, rate, and review because it helps me grow the podcast and it helps me, you know, do all those things, get new advertisers, make money, you know, all that. So I would really appreciate it. And before starting this podcast, I never subscribe rated. Well, I did subscribe, but I would never like rate and review podcasts and once I started this, I went back and I took like all my favorite podcasts from the last five years and I gave them all a rating and wrote a review because I didn't realize before creating this podcast, like how much hustle it takes to market yourself and to create a podcast and make it successful. So if you have five seconds in your day, please, please, please do that because it really does help.
Okay. So mom fails are here and I'm going to make them really quick because this is already at like 36 minutes and I like to keep them like 30-ish minutes unless there's an interview. So the mom fail I want to tell you has to do with the wound back. So you would wear the wound back like a, a backpack. It had like a longer like shoulder strap. I would often wear it cross body because then it wouldn't fall off. You know how if you just wear it, it sometimes falls off. Um, but I would attach it to like, if it was on the stroller, I'd wrap it around the stroller and just like walk by the stroller or things like that. So, um, there's one time I just had it on my shoulder and I'd have to carry it from like room to room. The cord's not very long. So like going to, you know, change diaper, do laundry. I had to carry this thing with me. And if the battery died, I'd have to like plug it in where I was at and just stay there while it charged. So, I mean, and you know, I know I already complained about the wound vac for 15 minutes, but a breast pump being attached to a breast pump and a wound vac at the same time is like the least glamorous thing that's ever happened on this earth. So yeah. Um, so I put it on my shoulder and sometimes if I would turn too fast, I'd be like carrying a baby and moving them. It would swing a little. I cannot tell you how many times I turned with the wound vac and I smacked Sam in the head. Cause you know how a toddler is just like right by your leg all the time. That's where he was at this age. So I'd be carrying a baby and I turned to set the baby down or move something or I'd be cooking and I would smack Sam in the head and it happened probably twice a day. So that is my mom fail. I've also hit his head. I don't know if I've told this story here. I think I have on someone's side view mirror. So I'm pretty sure Sam's like, gosh, mom, stop hurting me. Here's the other mom fail. There was one other like really good one I wanted to share that was submitted this week. Let me just find it real quick. Okay, so there's actually a few. My son went to call me a bit. I'm just going to say bit instead of the full word, but stopped. So that's great. Well, I love like the self-control your kid has. <laughs> like that's a win as a mom. Like he didn't actually do it. Maybe he thought about it, but he didn't do it. So that's good. Okay, this last one, I literally laughed out loud because I could one, see myself doing this. And two, I love watching people get injured. So <laughs> I was hiking this past week with my family in Zion. We had to park a bit away from the trailhead along the road. So to keep the kids safe, my husband and I both put a child on our shoulders. I took the two-year-old while I was watching for cars and making sure I didn't walk too close to the cliff, and I missed seeing a rock and twisted my ankle. It caused me to fall forward with my son falling forward to the ground face first. <laughs> I got quite a scratch on my knees and elbows. I must have had my hands on my son since he didn't have a scratch on him, which is the mom win, by the way. We brushed ourselves off <laughs> And for the rest of the trip, he insisted on being on my husband's shoulders. Uh, yeah, I love this. And I could see myself doing this. I sprain my ankle every time we hike anywhere. It's just a thing. Like I could just walk and sprain my ankle. But I definitely probably have dropped a kid at some point. So I felt that. And I just think it's funny how kids are. They want to be with the other person because you've maybe dropped them or bumped them into something or hit them in the head with your wound back. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I have a lot of like fun things coming in my life um, and in my business. I'm going to be launching this course I told you about 
and I am opening up some 60-minute consulting spots for parents whose kids maybe don't necessarily need therapy, right, but they just need help um, like figuring out how to address certain behaviors or help them in certain ways. And so I'm super excited about those things to come. And on the podcast, we have some fun guests coming up in the next few weeks. We'll have her, uh, Chelsea. She's a productivity consultant. And we had like a really great interview. Um, I have an interview scheduled with the hosts of Step Up Co-Parenting podcast. And they're going to talk about like how they have this like really great co-parenting relationship. And they're going to talk about how they got to that place and things that work for them. I also interviewed Dr. Laura Froyen about balanced parenting and she's a, so we have some like really cool things coming up. If you know someone who has like a, an experience or is just like a bomb.com awesome mom that you think would be like a good guest for this podcast, please, please, please message me because I would love to have them on here and I had a mom tell me she does unschooling, which I think is so cool. We're going to have a guest on unschooling. If you don't know what it is, Google it. It's the coolest thing ever. Anyway, um, I had someone tell me they didn't feel qualified to be a guest on my podcast. I was like, no, I want real moms, real life experiences in the day-to-day struggle of parenting. So even if you feel like you're not qualified, you probably are. Okay. Thanks for coming to my really long TED talk. Be peace, be love, be mindful as a mother. If you want more of Mindful as a Mother, you can find me on Instagram at Lynn's underscore Adams LCSW. Once again, at Lynn's L-I-N-D-S underscore Adams, L-C-S-W.